God, your grace is sufficient for us. Our faith is weak, and yet in our weakness, your strength is made perfect. That works for the church, that works for the preacher, that works for all of us as well. And so, Lord, we come to you as your children before a loving, gracious Father, and we seek the goodness of God for our lives and that of people around us. We want to pray for Vincent now as we pray for ourselves that your word will be spirit and will be life to us. And let it come through the mouth of Vincent. Let it reside in our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much, uh, Kokfai. And good morning. As Kokfai has mentioned, today we celebrate almost a year of our healing prayer service. This is a prayer service specifically dedicated to praying for the sick. Uh, And it happens on the first Wednesday of every month. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to trace a bit of that one year. One year, as you know, is not a very long time. We hope to be doing this for the next 100 years. But uh, this is year one. And it actually started with a... What, what I did in preparing this message was to actually scan, uh, scan through the Gospels about what Jesus did, how Jesus healed people. And then I looked at the Acts of the Apostles. So that's the biblical background. And then I listened to the two messages that we used last year to prepare uh, our congregation for the healing prayer service. So the first one was by uh, Dr. Peng. You may remember Peng Chun Mian, I think, if I get his name right. And the second one was uh, our senior pastor, right? And in that, I, I want to recollect with you that all this started from an email that pastor sent to uh, Chi Meng, Pastor Chi Meng, our young adult pastor, in April 2012 about, hey, why don't we do a healing prayer service? And I believe this emanated from the... the, the the holy discontent, I would say, in the leadership that we need to be strong in the Word, but we also need to be strong in the Spirit. And in the Diaconate Retreat in 2012, uh, that was reaffirmed again, that we said, hey, as a Diaconate, let's just drill down into what it means to be strong in the Spirit. And I believe we did a series during the Diaconate meetings itself on each diaconate member's views on the Holy Spirit and how we could move in unity together. You may also remember that culminated as a congregation in the Holy Spirit series where we watched videos from Jim Simbala and we had testimonies for a few Sundays. That was, I think, in May last year. And in the midst of all that, we, we were comfortable as a diaconate that we were all aligned in the same place, in starting the healing prayer service. So in Jan 2013, we approved and we formed a subcommittee to go and study, go and learn. We must be humble, right? We don't know, we say we don't know. And we went to learn from churches and we distilled and we decided as a diaconate, this is what we're going to do for our healing prayer service. And as we celebrate the first year of that uh, start, Uh, I want to re-emphasize again that as a church, we want to be strong in the Word. 
and we want to be strong in the spirit. We want to be sure that we have, we are moving in everything that God wants us to be moving in. We are inheriting everything God wants us to inherit. And, and, and personally, this is, this is personally as I, I'm sharing it from my personal perspective, uh, our church has a lot to learn. This is not an indictment of the leadership or anybody. I'm the chairman of the diaconate, so if, if I want to indict anyone, I should indict myself. Uh, and, but I feel that in a positive way, we, we should be aiming, we should be hungering for more of God. And I like it, I, I, I took a quote from Dr. Peng when he spoke to us, that even in his church, they have the core belief that God wants to heal, but there are differences in how that is practiced. And he says it quite, quite nicely. He says, we do not let the differences in the non-essentials divide us from our core belief that God wants to deliver, God wants to heal. And I quote Kok Fai, that he ended his message last year by saying, we have only just begun our journey of faith together as a church here. Some of us may be more advanced than others. Please be humble and bring the rest of us along. Some of us may be just starting on this journey. Please also be humble and learn from those who are before us. So it's been a year, and yours truly has been tasked to speak uh, to you about the anniversary. Of course, first we want to celebrate. We want to celebrate what's happened in the past year, and I'll give you some statistics. I, I'm not a fan of statistics, uh, because our relationship with God is a relationship, and you know what happens when you introduce statistics into relationships. Um, but in any case, I just want to tell you that over the past year, we prayed for 98. Uh, Pastor Chi Ming dutifully noted this down. We prayed for 98 people, and uh, we have had quite a few testimonies of breakthroughs and God's healing. Um, interestingly skewed toward uh, people, couples who were not able to conceive, uh, conceiving. So we, I'm not saying we are specialists in that department. I'm just saying uh, the grace of God uh, has been there uh, manifesting in, in, in those few couples. One of them will share uh, later on with us for encouragement. So today I just want to share with you some reflections, right? Some, some, some reflections that I had as I scanned through the Gospels, as I scanned through uh, Acts, and uh, I think through what we have gone through for a year. Um, first, I want to talk about the ministry of Jesus. Now, a cursory read of the Gospels, it is evident that healing was a very core piece of the ministry of Jesus. You, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to know that. Even my son, who listens to our Bible stories every night, knows that. That healing accompanies Jesus almost everywhere. It was evident that sickness and death disturbed Jesus greatly. And so it was standard operating procedure for Jesus. That this was his standard operating procedure. He taught in synagogues uh, because his calling was to the sheep of Israel. Some of you remember. He proclaimed the good news and 
healing. And the second verse there, the crowds learned about where he was and they followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. And he even says to the towns that did not receive his disciples when they went out to preach the gospel, this is what he says. It's not there, but it's in your Bible in Luke 10. You can go back and read. Um, Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. These are places. You can change it to maybe, Woe to you, Bishan. Woe to you, Tiongbaru. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. So Jesus put a very clear distinction that where healing and miracles were done, it does lead to repentance. That's why he said, woe to you. If those healings and those miracles have been done elsewhere, people would have repented a long time ago. It is evident that Jesus saw healing as a weapon of war, a weapon of breakthrough, a weapon of spiritual advance. Healing and setting people free was in his whole repertoire of instruments that Jesus consistently used. Of course, it was also a fulfillment of prophecy because the Bible tells us that he took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. So that's Jesus. Some of us may say, hey, that's Jesus, that's, that's Mr. Wonderful. Um, what about us? Now, it was evident also that Jesus wanted his disciples to model uh, his SOP, his standard operating procedure. And this, this is where it goes. Uh, authority was given to disciples to heal every diseases, drive out impure spirits. As you go, proclaim this message. The instruction is clear. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse leprosy, drive out demons. It is clear that Jesus not only did this, he modeled it for his disciples and he expected his disciples to do this. He even had tutorials for them. He sent them up 12 first, then later 72, and then later he came back, had a debrief. And it was evident in the book of Acts as well that when they were persecuted, this is what they say, when they were persecuted in the book of Acts, Jesus left already, this one, right? Holy Spirit came already, Jesus left already. And they were persecuted and told to stop whatever they were doing because they were causing a ruckus. They were causing religious leaders to be very uncomfortable. And this was their prayer. Lord, consider the threats and enable your servants to speak your word. Most of us will be comfortable as a church that it ends there. Help us to speak your word with great bonus. But it goes on to say, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs. So you see, I, I'm sure you see, that there's this, this twin thing of healing and the gospel, the good news, went hand in hand. In, even in the times of the early Christians, it was pretty conventional. It was normal. It was the thing to do. And as a result, people always brought the sick to the Christians. So much so that when there were too many and this is a recollection of Jesus saying, when I go away, you shall do greater works than I, because the Bible relates to us two cases. One in Acts 5, where Peter's shadow 
falling on people, people got well. I suppose there were just so many sick people that um, Peter couldn't handle it all, right? So his, his shadow uh, fell on people and they got well. And then Paul as well. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. So, okay, so we got Jesus, we got the apostles. I know so what some of you are thinking is, ah, this is Peter, leh, right? This is Paul. Come on. What about more normal people? And if you trace the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 6, when they selected seven people to serve tables, they say, let's find seven guys because we cannot, we cannot serve tables. We are too busy ministering in the Word and in prayer. So they chose seven people. Two of them, one, one's name was Stephen, one's name was Philip. And you go back and read your Bibles. We don't have time. Acts 6 and Acts 8. You go back and read your Bibles. Stephen was a man full of God's grace. He performed great wonders and signs among the people. So Stephen, not enough. Because he's a martyr, you may say he's a, he's a rock star. So Philip, okay? Philip was another one. And they say when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So I just want to map up to you that it was Jesus modeling it for his disciples and then the apostles modeling that for, in that sense, the next generation of leaders, uh, which was Stephen, who, 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 who was martyred, and then Philip, who went on to talk to a Ethiopian and who went on to have four daughters who were prophetesses. So he's, he's got a very fruitful ministry. And where I wanted to, to, to tell you is you, that there you have the full assimilation of the pattern of Jesus, that where your good news goes, God wants you to bring restoration. God wants the walls of oppression to come down. And it's not hard to piece that jigsaw together. Let's just go back to the days of Moses. What was the big problem? What was the big oppressor? It was a guy called Pharaoh. It was slavery. And when God's kingdom broke through, works of wonders were done. It wasn't so much healing, but it was the plagues. And deliverance came to the Israelites through the plagues and breaking the will of the enemy. Then we have been talking about judges. You have been listening to judges until today, right? Uh, this, this, is, this is not interruption, but this is, a, this, this is the, what do you call this? This, this is the anniversary. And, um, <laughs> but you've been listening to Judges and the Judges deliverance came through successful, miraculous, what? Military miracles, right? Conquest. I mean, uh, I have nothing against ladies, but ladies leading people to war and, and, and driving, driving ten packs through the enemy's head and uh, Gideon being a very timid person uh, leading with 300 men uh, the breakthrough. So you see a bit of difference already, right? The plagues, then this is military conquest. And then when Jesus came, I suppose 
besides Roman oppression, one thing that confronted Jesus a lot was, wow, why is there so much sickness and death? And that was the thing that confronted Jesus. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you it is not about whether it's works of healing or parting the Red Sea or driving a tent pack through someone's head or leading a military conquest with 300 people. What I want to point you to is the character of God. Our God is a deliverer. And when we move with good news, it cannot be with the mouth only. It must be accompanied by breakthroughs and deliverance. That's what I believe the, the, the biblical pattern is showing, that where there's oppression, where there's bondage, God's Spirit works hand in hand with His people, if His people are sensitive, to introduce breakthroughs. I like this quote. Many people like to say that Jesus had to heal to authenticate Himself, meaning, hey guys, let me, let me, let me heal a few lame people just to show you I'm legit, right? that I'm real. Jesus did not heal people to prove that He was God. He healed them because He is God. You get what I mean? Huge difference. If your English is not very good, let me explain to you. <laughs> he heals people because of who He is, not because He needs to prove Himself. Many times He healed people and say, shut up. Don't tell anyone. Correct? Go and read the Bible. A lot of us are perplexed. If I was him, I would be advertising big time in Times Magazine and everything that I heal a lame guy. But Jesus didn't need that. He shows his heart. He is our deliverer. And some of us need to hear that today. That Jesus is our deliverer. In Luke 7, there's a very beautiful story of um, Jesus. You know, most of the time, people had to come to Jesus to be healed, right? I mean, that's just logistically practical because there's so many people and he's one guy. So they came to him. But in Luke 7, there was this widow. Widow in those days, very poor thing. Uh, ladies were, were, were not very highly esteemed. And widow, Samoa, lost the husband. Only son, I think. And you can look at, read it in Luke 7. And the funeral procession was ongoing. And Jesus, this was the one where Jesus went up to the lady and said, the Bible tells us, Luke 7.13, and I believe this is, this is a word that some of us need to hear today. When the Lord saw her, when the Lord saw you, His heart went out to her. His heart is going out to you. You see, our God's heart goes out to us when we're oppressed. And he raised uh, the son uh, from the dead, if you read Luke 7. But it's, it's, it's such a beautiful picture of why God heals. It's not so much of, I don't know, debate about healing. Is it real healing, fake healing? Let's check the x-ray. I think we miss the point if we do that. The core is that God is a deliverer. God is a restorer. He has fixed our lives he is fixing our lives and our good news that goes out there must be accompanied by restorative works. That's what I would call it. It could be healing. It could be parting the Red Sea. It could be, well, I don't think we should be driving 10 packs through people's head. But it could be overcoming huge obstacles. And here's what I want to talk about. 
kingdom outbreak. I use this, this term, kingdom outbreak. You know the Lord's Prayer? Your kingdom come, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I believe Jesus introduced this step change. You know, for the past hundreds of years between Malachi and, and the New Testament, uh, God was silent. Life was hard. The darkness wouldn't lift. The Romans came, hard life. The Pharisees made life harder. The people who should be helping, the, the, the shepherds became no good. And uh, it was a hard time. But when Jesus came, he introduced that step change. There was a kingdom outbreak. And I want to show you this. I want to show you this. I call it kingdom outbreak. You see, this, this is from um, Matthew 10. And it says, Authority was given to disciples to heal every visitor. That one we know. The kingdom of heaven has come near. I want you to note this. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And then another one. Then Jesus, this is Jesus defending that, hey, you all say I, I, I cast out demons with, with, with evil power. Uh, I cast it out by, by God's power, okay? That's what he was saying. And he says, but if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. One more. Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, da-da-da, da-da-da-da. And, and it, is, it is a big deal to the Jews at that time that the kingdom of God is near. It is breaking through. Jesus is, as deliverer, is breaking through into the oppression, whether it was physical, it was mental, or psychological. The sequence is like this. He came to establish the kingdom of God. Jesus came to establish God's rule and reign in this place. Then he tells John the Baptist, this is the evidence that the kingdom is breaking through. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. To people who hear this at a time, whoa, oppression is lifting. Deliverance is coming. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. You see, Jesus' sequence was like this. He did this. And then there was a beachhead of 120 when he left, right? He left about 120 people in the upper room. And when he left, these people were praying. And he told them, it's good that I go because after that, the Holy Spirit will come. And you stay there until the Holy Spirit comes upon you because then the kingdom outbreak will continue. So that was the sequencing that Jesus was doing. Model it for his disciples, showed, introduced the kingdom outbreak, and then... Model it for then his disciples waited for the Holy Spirit, and as the Holy Spirit filled them, it took on another level. Jesus is here, he's, he's our deliverer. But these few verses I wanted to tell you the kingdom of heaven is near, the kingdom of heaven is here. Is Jesus is not just God's heart is for our deliverance, but these few verses tell us Jesus is telling us not only is his heart for deliverance, he, our deliverer is here. It has broken through. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, has broken through into our world, into our situation. And that's why I want to invite Jackson uh, and Eunice and uh, baby Isaac to um, give glory to God.
amazing story. I'll, I'll leave you to listen to him. Hello, uh, I'm Jackson. This is Eunice, my wife, and this is my son, Isaac. So um, what our situation is was, um, we, Eunice, we have problems conceiving. We have, uh, she has polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is one of the leading causes of female infertility. Um, because of this, we, att we attended the healing prayer service on the 4th of September. And as we were praying, a lady came up to pray for Eunice. Later, on the 22nd of September, she came to us with a word from Romans 9.9. Romans 9.9 reads, For this is what the promise said, About this time next year I will return, and Sarah shall have a son. That was a very specific word that was given to us. A few weeks later, we found out that Eunice was pregnant. And, you know, my mom asked me, Hey, do you think it's a boy or a girl? I said, It's going to be a son. The verse says, Sarah shall have a son. You cannot run away. If you want to believe the verse, you cannot believe halfway, right? So I figured, now... God is going to give her the son. And as Eunice's tummy grew, you know, um, my mom, my cousins would say, hey, it looks like a girl, the shape looks like a girl shape. <laughs> so I told them, hey, God's word has confirmed it's going to be a boy. Uh, and they will ask me, if he's not a boy, will you be very disappointed? I don't know what to say to them. On February 14, we went for a detailed scan of the baby and found that you know, Isaac was a boy. When I saw that, my heart dropped. You know, I was like, oh God, thanks. If not, I'm very pious. I don't want to tell my entire family. But with that, you know, it, it just shut them up in the sense that you know, they recognize that this is really God's way of doing things. Um, we boast in the hope of the glory of God because this hope does not put me to shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Yeah, I'll let you miss. Actually, with the, with the same scan, they also found out that uh, Isaac was missing one kidney. So he only had the left kidney, but his right kidney was missing. So when they told us that, we really struggled with it. At least I, I struggled with it. So I was asking God, you know, how am I supposed to pray about this? Am I supposed to pray for a submission? Am I supposed to pray for healing? And then after that, we went for another scan just to make sure. And then they looked at the blood vessels and there were all these blood vessels to the left kidney and there was really nothing on the right side. There weren't even any blood vessels. So it's not even that the kidney was hidden, you know. The kidney just wasn't there. And in that year, we were studying the Gospel of Matthew. And then I was very encouraged by all the people that Jesus had healed. There is no record that somebody went to Jesus and Jesus said, Oh, sorry, your case is very complicated. I cannot heal. Or there's no record of him saying, Oh, I'm very busy. I cannot heal you now. You know, he both had the power to heal and he had the compassion to heal. And so I was very encouraged to just pray, Lord. So if God says yes, then good luck. I got two kidneys. He says no, then, then I'll learn submission. Ah. <laughs> so as, I, as we prayed about it, then later on, three weeks before I was due, we went for another scan. And then they said, oh, there, there is a kidney, you know. We found the right kidney, but it's smaller and it's down in the pelvis because usually the kidneys are up by the waist. So I, I told God again, you know, God, you can give me a baby. Why you give me a baby with one kidney? Then now you heal him. Why you give him a kidney that is smaller and in the wrong place? So then you just put it back up in the correct place. So I was reminded of this story in, in, John, in John 9 when Jesus passes this blind man and then the disciples ask him, uh, who sinned? Was it the man or was it his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus says, no, neither he nor his parents sinned. This is so that the works of God can be displayed 
And as I reflected, I thought, you know, if I had no problems conceiving, then no story. If he had both kidneys, again, no story, no drama, lah, but also God doesn't get any of the glory. And then later, as the story in, in John 9 unfolds, you know, the man is healed, but the Pharisees start to question. So they question the man, then they question the parents, then they question him again. And so they don't really believe that Jesus has healed. And as I reflected, I thought, you know, if we say that they found the right kidney, maybe you would think, oh, maybe it was always theirs. You know, sometimes you do an ultrasound, it's a bit fiddly, it was always there, it was hidden. But if you have a pelvic kidney, and then the kidney rises up, surely, you know, no one can doubt that God is really working. And sure enough, as we prayed, then later when he was born, they sent him for another scan, and it showed that the right kidney had risen up. It's not exactly where it should be, but it's gone up, and it functions well. So, we are just very thankful. Um, yeah, actually, you can say actually Isaac, he's all wrapped up here. He's for 12 weeks old, he's about 6 plus 7 kgs, really big. And I'm really, really thankful because my mom likes to bring him to the playground and compare to all the other children. You know? <laughs> like, okay, we know it's not a competition, la, but if it was, he will win. La. <laughs> so, she's a very experienced babysitter and Isaac, you know, my mom took care of kids for a living when we were, we were kids. So she can really see that this boy very well behaved, very well taken care of. So my cousin is a non-Christian. We went to the house, went to their house over the weekend two weeks ago, and my mom was just boasting of how well how well behaved this little boy is. And then my cousin is a non-Christian. She just said, you know, he's a Christian baby. Of course, it's easy to take care of. <laughs> so we really thank God for him, and we thank God for how you know it's really wonderful to see him grow like that. He eats a lot and he sleeps a lot. Very well done. So. I, I, I thank God that my non-believing family is taking notice through this boy and uh, we pray that he will be used by God to really reach many people. Thanks. Isn't that wonderful? It's, it's amazing, right, that... Uh, God, our deliverer, broke through in his uh, Jackson and Eunice's uh, difficulty at that point in time. But of course, when we talk about healing, we also need to talk about what about those who are not healed. And um, I'm not going to go into the theology of it in a big way because I think the, the pre you can go on a website and, and look through the messages we spoke about this. But I just wanted to, to take care of that part uh, through my, from, from what I reflected on. Um, it is evident there are those where healing is not forthcoming. I'm one of them, right? I think just as Pastor shared that time about his illnesses, I, I have had, some of you know, you, you saw me grow up. Although I don't know how come you look younger than me. But um, the... the <laughs> I had kidney stones for a long time, right? I had kidney stones for a long time. I've tried, I've tried everything possible. Um, I'm hypertensive, uh, and I recently have this thing called throm thrombocytosis, which is I have more platelets than, than most people, and it makes the blood very thick and all that. And I pray. I don't, I don't pray as much, actually. Um, but uh, those, those are things... I struggle with. I'm sure there are those cases where you struggle with as well. And of course, evidently, we will all still eventually die. I think mean, that's the reality. 
what happens when the darkness will not lift? Meaning, um, you pray and healing doesn't come. I just want to show you a verse. Um, this is uh, Peter talking about Jesus. And it says, Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything. We know that the restoration has started. The kingdom has started to advance. But we know that Jesus will come back one day to restore it all. So this is a verse that tells us it's begun, guys. It's growing. But there will still be pockets of struggle because it's not consummated yet. The kingdom of heaven is advancing, I say. It is increasing. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, the Bible tells us. It grows. And of course, we know this one. Whole creation groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. We eagerly wait for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this, we, for the, for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So there's this very delicate balance that while the kingdom outbreak has started, and I like how Eunice said it, that we, we come before God as a child before a father. And God encourages us to reason like this because Jesus told us before that you think about it. If you being evil fathers know how to give good things to your children, how much more will your father? So, so Jesus actually encourages the kind of reasoning. Some of us say, oh, his ways are higher than what he said. I think that's fine. Um, but it is okay to reason that God, and it is true, that God works for our good. God is for us. The deliverance has broken through. And I like you didn't say, I ask her, right? No kidney, I ask for kidney. And she did. And there was a breakthrough. So that, that, that is that, there is that balancing act where we strike, where we come to God as a father to ask. And there is also the understanding, truth, that guards our faith that not everything is done yet. Not everything is consummated yet, but, but, but one day it will. One day it will. So God is our deliverer. God is here breaking through. And the third thing I want to leave with you is God has a plan. There's a plan. There is a method to this madness that you see if you're oppressed and you're struggling. There is a plan. It is not ad hoc or hazy, or haphazard. There's a plan. God is not slow to fulfill His promise, but is patient. Why? He is wishing that none should perish, but that all of us come to repentance. So there is a plan. We, and, and this is a warning. During this time of waiting, we must be careful. Um, because there was this time of waiting when the darkness will not lift, I told you, right? Between the Old Testament and the New Testament, Malachi to Matthew, hundreds of years. And there are two groups of people I want to contrast uh, for your uh, learning. You know, the religious people is the first group. They began to lose sight of God's person and God's purpose because I think they started to rationalize, think through, philosophize, that um, we can figure this thing out. 
So they started figuring things out. They, they basically analyzed until they got paralyzed. Right? What did they do? They even had, they even overwrite scripture where because they wanted money, they say that if you give gold to whatever and, and if you give, the, the, you're supposed to honor your parents, but if you give the money to us indirectly as give to the temple, uh, you don't have to give to your parents. So really overriding scripture, smart in their own eyes, I can figure everything out um, and tradition above uh, the move of the Spirit. That's what, I was, that's what I would call it. What do I mean? Um, when Jesus started, when the Spirit started moving with Jesus and there was God movement there, um, they immediately started rationalizing. Oh, this one, Joseph's boy, right? We played marbles with him. I mean, he was never much. Now, 30 years old, suddenly, Stalo Malo. I mean, cannot be, right? Messiah, please. This guy's from Nazareth, um, and, and et cetera, et cetera, or, or, or Galilee or something like that. Um, and they rubbished him because they were smart in their own eyes. They, were, they, they relied a lot on experience. And he was not welcome in his own hometown. I think you know that. He couldn't do many miracles there because people said, I figure you out based on my experience, this can't be true. Right? And then it got worse. When Jesus started healing the synagogues, um, they started to put their tradition above the healing. You know, right? When many people were unwell, there was a guy with a shriveled hand and Jesus healed him. And they said, it's wrong. You shouldn't heal him on the Sabbath. And Jesus had to bring them back to God's person and God's purpose. They said, you got it so wrong. How can you get it so wrong? God is a deliverer. You all, even if your donkey fall into a drain on Sabbath, you pick it out. What hap- what, how come it becomes so, so off? I think because for too long, the thinking has fossilized already. That because I see nothing of God, anything of God that I see today, I probably can rationalize it away or it's fake or it's something. That's how I think it sets in. I don't think we have alert. I don't think we want to contextualize fully how it becomes here. But I'm, I'm just raising up the danger of sometimes when we are in a rut, when the darkness will not lift. And when the move of God starts, be careful. The Bible tells us to be discerning. I'm not asking you to make the what? Type 1 error. You remember type 1 error or not? That's one year ago. I forgive you. Uh, type 1 error means very naive. Uh. Everything people say, you also believe. Right? Type 2 error is, everything people say, you also don't believe. Okay? Uh, we got to be type half. Right? Uh, or type 1 and a half. Type 1 is always very naive. No, the Bible doesn't tell us to do that. We need to be discerning. But we need to be open. We need to be open that if we don't know, say we don't know and discover and learn and ask the Lord to teach you. Don't figure everything out. Don't always say, I know what's wrong. I know what's wrong. I can talk this one out. I can interpret this. No. There's a place to be open and to learn and to be humble. I want to contrast this group of people with two other people. You go to Luke 2, go back and read. Um, there are these two old people. 
when Jesus was brought to the temple to be dedicated. One of them was a guy called Simeon. Simeon was a very old man. And God promised him that you will see the Messiah before you die. Now, Simeon lived during the Dark Ages as well, right? 400, uh, hundreds of years. Silence. But Simeon held on. And the Bible tells us when Jesus came, God's Spirit moved Simeon to go out and see the baby. How does God's Spirit move him? The Bible doesn't tell us. But it shows me a person who even during the Dark Ages say, I trust God is my deliverer. I trust God is here. And I trust Him to speak to me. I trust God to move. The Bible doesn't tell us how He moved Him. He moved Him. And He went up and He said, This Jesus, da 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 da. He died a happy man that He saw the Messiah. Another, another person in that same temp- temple was Anna. Anna is a, is, a, is, a, is a widow and she's a prophetess. And same thing. So even in the midst of that dark ages, I would say, where Christianity has become very nominal and maybe very secular because they were called the experts of the law. I, I hope our Christianity never becomes... I don't, know, I don't really want to be in a, in a kind of thing where I'm called the expert of the law. But that was the category then. Uh, even in the midst of that darkness, there were people who say, I trust God to move. I am open to seeing God move. And I want to, I want to encourage you to be the Simeon and the Anna. If in your circumstance there is darkness that will not lift. Maybe you are also a couple that have been trying to conceive but you cannot conceive. Maybe you have an illness that you've been praying for a long time. We will continue to persevere with you as a family. But I need you to hold that in balance. That God is our deliverer, God knows best, God will break through, and God will work in ways that we can trust Him. The Bible, uh, uh, there's a beautiful song, right? If you cannot trace His hand, what? Trust His heart, right? If you cannot trace His hand, you trust His heart. There's a very famous uh, healing evangelist when God first told him to go into healing, he got very worried. And he said, Ah, oh, you know, from the past, what I know, ah, this thing is very yucky, it can be very controversial, etc., etc. And then the Lord told him, Preach my word, not your experience. Very wise words, I thought. Preach my word, not your experience. Don't be like the Pharisees. Don't make your experience scripture. Your experience is not scripture. Trust what God says. Discern what God is saying in His Word and hold on to it. Trust it, even when the darkness will not lift. Okay, very quickly, let me just conclude. In the end, I want to tell you it is about authority that comes from relationship. What what I mean? When Jesus called the twelve, He gave them power, authority to drive off all demons, and then they set out, and then they did this. There was an authority delegated from Jesus. I believe this came from relationship. Because there's this ridiculous story in the Bible that says some Jews went around driving out evil spirits. They also tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus. So it's a formula thing. Wow, this Jesus name, uh, very ling, uh, right? Very, very useful 
good for driving up evil spirits. You can maybe make some money from this. They will say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Now, seven sons of Sceva or Siva, um, Jewish chief priests. Hey, by the way, they are sons of a priest. Huh? They were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them. The evil spirit frosts already, right? And they told them, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? I love it. Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. I associate Paul with Jesus. I know. There's a relationship. Paul, I scared because there's Jesus behind Paul. But who are you? And then they got ramped up, right? They got beaten up. And I thought this is, a, this is, this is a, a, unfortunately a very ridiculous story. But uh, sometimes it's like that, right? We, 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 try to, we try to also have amulets in Christianity. We try to have these, these, these formulas, shout louder, jump higher, uh, read the Bible from beginning to end, end to beginning, uh, and all sorts of things. It's not about the formula. It's about Jesus calling you to go forth. If you're anchored on that truth and anchored in the relationship, the spirits will yield, the sicknesses will break, the enemy will lose. That's what God is trying to tell us. There's a very beautiful story of uh, this, this um, I was listening to this John Piper, and he had this interesting thought that I thought I want to share with you. He said, you know, God gave gifts of healings to his church. And he says, for all I know, because he also struggled with some illness, he said, for all I know, maybe I've been praying all my life uh, to be healed, uh, but I never reached out to my brother who has the gifts of healings to pray for me. I, I don't know whether you get the gist of it. Or not. God, God purposed fellowship. No? It's God's purpose, fellowship. That it is in this body that we heal one another, that we grow one another, that we nurture one another. And that's why I, I thought it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful illustration. The previous verse, he sent out the 12. It's not he sent out the one. He sent out the 12. The camaraderie, the fellowship, the strength. And as a church, we need to stand together to also, I pray, the elders pray, the leadership prays that there will be more people manifesting the full range of the gifts of the Spirit in this church. We want all, of, all that God wants us to have. Right? And uh, we pray that, and I want to um, encourage you to serve in community so that we can affirm each other's gifts and we can break the darkness and we can advance God's kingdom. Okay, I'll just get the musicians, musicians to come up. And uh, if we can rise, I'll just ask the... I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't prepare them for this, but I'll just ask the diaconate to come forward. Uh, these are the people who pray for during the healing prayer service. I'll just ask you to come forward and I'll ask the congregation to pray for us. Let's, let's do this community thing, right? That as we pray, we stand behind one another and we say, Lord, we want to see your kingdom advance. We want to see restoration. We want to see repair. We want to see you fix lives, whatever that means. Okay, Dakonet. How come our diaconate like all resigned already? <laughs> come, come, come. And I'll just ask you to, to, to pray right now uh, for, for them in front as you can, you can, you can uh, where you are, pray for them and pray God to use them. Not just every first Wednesday of the month, but 
use them to advance his breakthrough, advance his kingdom, fix broken lives. Let's just intercede together for them. pray together. Father, we ask your anointing upon our leaders, our elders, our diaconate members. Uh, oh Lord, tutor us, teach us, mentor us in how to break through, Lord. How to lead people into freedom. How to lift oppression. How to break bondages. Lord, teach us. Holy Spirit, fill us in Jesus name Amen as I ask uh, Kevin to, to lead us in an appropriate song uh, I just want to open up the altar for whoever is unwell to come forward we have oil there we have elders here and we want to pray with you the diaconate can stay in the front but if you want to be prayed for over an illness or you want to ask to pray for someone you know who is ill you come forward and we want to pray for you as we worship God together, okay? Feel free to come forward to the altar and stand in proxy for people who are unwell or if you are unwell. Come. Our God is the same yesterday, today and forever. And He's Emmanuel, God with us. Let's sing that Yahweh.
you to come forward if you want us to pray for you otherwise i'll just close you with prayer feel free to continue to stream forward we want to pray for you let's close in prayer lord all glory to you lord you are our deliverer you are our breakthrough lord you are here and lord we praise you for the work you have begun in our lives as individuals and also as a church, Lord. We know, Lord, what you start, you will finish. And Father, we welcome your Holy Spirit to, to teach us, to touch us up, to fill us up where we are deficient, Lord, where we need your training, where we need understanding. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to teach us, to lead us, to guide us. Oh, grant us also, Lord, the spirit of discernment that as a body, we will grow strong and we will grow deep, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>